You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field. It is gone! It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 139. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode... Mike Clevenger is going to miss opening day and then some with a knee injury. We'll start our season preview series with catcher. There's proposed rule changes to the MLB postseason. We'll talk about those and how they might affect the Indians. Trevor Bauer is very mad about the Astros. And, of course, we'll take your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? So we were talking about Adam Adovino a few minutes ago, and it's funny how his headshots between when he was with the Rockies to now with the Yankees, he's much, he's much more serious now. It's a bit down to business these days. <laughs> now, Mary, do you want to mention why we were talking about Adam Adovino? Listen, just because <laughs> I thought that the guy on the cover of the Baseball Prospectus Annual was wearing A, a Yankees jersey, and B, was Adam Adovino, <laughs> and not the NL Cy Young winner, <laughs> Jacob deGrom in a Mets uniform. All right? Look. Tomato, tomato. It's all about fonts these days, right? Because obviously it makes sense that a national publication would put a guy in, in, the away, in their own away uniform. On the cover of their publication, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, it makes more sense than Adam Adovino, so, you know. Adam Adovino has worn pinstripes on his uniform since 2012. Isn't that interesting? They just used to be purple, and now they're not. Oh, they used to be on the Mets, right? No, yeah. he was on the Rockies. The oh. Rockies have pinstripes, you absolute oh. rube. Jesus oh. Christ. The Indians need pinstripes. Can we just You get... know what? I agree. So, Mayor, um, I say it's the good news is things are happening now. Pitchers and catchers have reported. I believe mm. the first team workouts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, There's videos of, of course, men throwing baseballs in the sunshine. Oh, it's the so best. It's I what, want that what we for, live for, you know? God damn. <laughs> I want to loop that for 10 hours and just leave mm-hmm. it on. Because just, just the, the sound of a, of a ball. It, mm-hmm. Yes, every time. Um, yeah, before any of that happens, Mike Clevenger, he reportedly. So what he said happened was um, he was working out last week. He felt a pop. He walked back to the clubhouse, got some treatment, and went home. Didn't think anything of it. Woke up the next day and couldn't put any weight in his leg. Great. Um, and then what it turned out was he tore the left medial meniscus partially yeah. tore it um, then he got surgery for it last friday and he's out six to eight weeks so this obviously is not the greatest thing for the indians <laughs> it's kind of um especially they always just play on this razor's edge but especially now when they traded Corey kluber away it's oh boy this <laughs> if if kluber goes on to be amazing and the indians can't overcome clevenger's injury and just need the depth then this is going to look even worse than it already does but the good news is he's out six to eight weeks um, he thinks he's going to beat that timetable. He was talking about how players have come back in four weeks, and he wants to do that. And um, I mean, there's a decent chance it could be six to eight weeks until he's doing baseball activity. So that could mean he misses at least a month or more of the season, or he might be back right around opening day. We don't know for sure because it's Clevenger and he's an animal. So, um, so what do you think about what this does? What this means for the Indians' rotation going forward? Because I think there was before this happened, I, I wanted to talk about who we thought should be the opening day starter, and then that kind of push that conversation aside so what does this do to the indians rotation as a whole now that clevenger arguably their best pitcher is not going to be there at least for a couple weeks well i at first obviously we're all worried about it because he's very good and fun to watch and is good and the indians need more good players because they don't have they only have a couple to begin with right that said he only threw 126 innings last year because he was injured for a bunch of it so there's one of two ways okay there's the positive side where this is his trip to the DL for the year, right? Or this is just one in the beginning of a cascading series of DL trips, and he's only going to throw 75 innings for the Indians this year. That'd be terrifying. As an inveterate optimist, I'm assuming it's going to be (laughs) the first thing, where he's just going to miss a couple weeks, and it'll be fine. I mean, meniscus tears, 
I'm more familiar with them when it comes to basketball players. Uh, it sounds like what he did was have the surgery where they just kind of cut it off. They cut off the bad part, basically, like what Dwayne Wade had back in 2000 when he was in college, I think, but it would shorten his career and reduce his athleticism. But Mike Clover doesn't need to jump 10 feet in the air over people. and He would if he could on the mound. You know he correct. would try it. <laughs> sure. No. Well, without a doubt. If it Although, meant more velocity, he would do it. And if it well, was legal. I, I think actually it is illegal unless you're Carter Caps. Good point. So, uh, I mean, that being said, I mean, I don't remember which knee it was. If it's, if it's his landing knee, it sucks a little bit more for him. It'll hurt more, but it's not going to, I think, reduce his ability to pitch that much. Because like I said, it's six to eight weeks. Even in, even in the NBA, guys come back from that surgery within a couple months. And you definitely, again, you need your knees way more in basketball than you do in uh, baseball. It sucks, though. I mean, I was, I think this is not as bad as how it started last year. Losing Francisco Lindor for an entire month, I think, is, is massively more damaging to any hope you might have uh, when compared to losing Clevenger for, what, maybe three starts? And if you think back to it too, last year there was a stretch there where the Indians were start their rotation consisted of Bieber, uh, a random a random selection of one of Yefe Rodriguez, uh, Zach Plezac, uh, Aaron Savali eventually a bad uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, what's his name, uh, Adam Plutko, whom and someone else, and I'm missing someone I know. Cody Anderson? He, I don't think he started that. Oh, I think he actually, I think he rattled off a starter too, and he's gone now. Um, oh, and then Carlos Carrasco. So to say that this is bad, it sucks. Yes, but it's going to happen eventually at some point in the season. I'm sure he'll hit the DL again for a couple, or I'm sure he'll miss a couple starts going on. So I, I think he'll still get 25 to 28 starts out of Clevenger, which is what I think the hope was. 175 innings from Mike Clevenger, I think, would be a hopeful goal. He only threw 126 last year. Another 50 of those. I think that add, that that gets the Indians to uh, you know in 2019 they won what 93 games. He throws another five games, they win four of those. You're you're 97 wins already. So I don't think there's good. Uh, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get in that anymore. But um, I think it just sucks for Clevenger especially because he had that Tommy John surgery as a prospect, and then the freak injury last year, and then this one, and it is on his plant leg too, which which also sucks for him because that's going to hurt like hell coming down on it and. Um, he did say he was doing he's uh, like doing arm exercises and throwing that doesn't impact his knee. So he's going to be he's doing everything he can to be ready right away. So. Good. No, I mean that's the thing. I I, I think again I think it'll be fine. Uh, I I don't I don't really have honestly any memory or in, in, I, I'm sure it's happened. I just don't pay much attention to it when it comes to meniscus tears for pitchers and baseball players. It's something you, that comes up again more than in the NBA, and it's much more damaging there. So the thing you worry about rotation. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the things we care about when it comes to pitchers are shoulders and then elbows and then fingers. And then after that, it's like, whatever. I mean, they'll figure out a way to uh, the, the operation of if you watch a guy pitch, it's not so much a joint to joint thing. It's more of a, a full thing. So one part can be shitty, but. And these are the things you worry about being recurring too. like if you had a recurring elbow injury or forearm injury or something like right. that. So again, if, like, if, it could if, be a lot worse, but it's if the thing sucks. that happened last year with the sh- with the weird upper back, but definitely not the shoulder thing happened again and it started creeping more towards the shoulder then it's something i'm worried but like, that, like the back and stuff like that it's much i think much more worrying so in answer to your your half a question i assume the rotation at this point is yeah it's uh Bieber starting opening day carrasco please x plutko so you think it's going to be you don't think they'll give it to carrasco i thought it was an up in the air at first between carrasco and clevenger no. but i thought clevenger would be the best pitcher, so you give it to him. But then no, Bieber, Carrasco has a sentimental value now at this point. I mean, I agree with you, but he's like, you also 
I, I disagree. Shane Bieber's a better pitcher. He's a better – last year was a better year, I think, than Carrasco's almost ever had as a, as a full-season pitcher or as good as a, a, a year as Carrasco's ever had, I think. I don't know. I, I normally I'd agree with you, but the fact that he's been there for like nine years, he's always been second to Kluber. There were a couple of years he probably should have been the opening day starter based on how good he was. But I think okay. it, no, I see they, they give it this from. year That's just fair. by the, the veteran aspect and, of course, the fact that he's come back from cancer. And that's a, a great way to open your season, I think, to have Carrasco. That's fair. But, and, and I guess depending on how it goes as far as spring. I mean, if he's if he's back, yeah, you know, capital B back um, in, in Arizona, then, yeah, I, I'd say give it to him because – but at the same time, like Shane Bieber was, I also a, wouldn't be mad with Bieber either. There's he like was no a warhorse last year. I mean, when everything else was falling apart, you know, I mean, the, the guy who was a, a Cy Young candidate the year before was was bad, and the ace was hurt, and Carrasco got cancer. Clevenger was hurt. Everything was shit. It was him and a bunch of rookies, and they were competing. And I I think that in a more immediate sense, that deserves some recognition. I mean, Carrasco is exactly who he's always been, and I I don't think he'd feel slighted if he didn't get it. I don't know. I, I, I hate to get into like oh, I'm psychoanalysis sure from a yeah. million a million miles away. Carrasco would just be like, I, I don't know. He's, he seems like he's a guy who's just happy to be there. Whereas Bieber's the young, he's the young again. So it would mean more to Bieber, world. like to get it. You mean? I would think so. I would think that, that that would be a recognition of all he all the work he's put in. The fact that he was the All Star MVP. I mean, obviously that's not a big deal, but at the same time, I think it's cool. Like, and the the jump he took from 2018 to 2019 was just so amazing. I mean, he's. He's a better pit. He was a better pitcher than Carrasco was last year. Obviously, Carrasco had cancer, which is kind of a thing, hard thing to knock him with. But again, it was a, a, as good of as good as or a better year than Carrasco has probably ever had as a full time starting pitcher. So that's why I think probably you'd have to give it to. It's at least something we can talk about this year because previously, if you didn't give it to Kluber, that would look like something's wrong with Corey Kluber, and he had it for what like five, six years in a row. So it's it's at least one more thing to talk about in spring training which is good. I mean Carrasco's best year just just real quick and dirty going off ERA plus would be 100 and, a 139 ERA plus in 2017 when he threw 200 innings exactly and he led baseball in wins uh but last year Shane B was a 144 Billy Ripkins so approves of that analysis you're splitting hairs obviously and cuz <laughs> yeah well, what, 5 points in ERA plus is like a, a you know, a bad breeze that knocks a home run over the wall, basically. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That said, I, I think, I still think, we're talking about a guy who's 20, going to be 25 this year for someone who's going to be 33. I don't know, whatever. Coin flip, but I'd give it to Bieber just because I think he's a better pitcher. That said, I mean, Carrasco's going to start game two. So, um, what? who are, who are they even playing the first day of the game? Like, I, 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 I get to, Oh, and, cool. Uh, March 26th. Oh, God. So it really doesn't matter who you play out there because you're okay. facing the Tigers. So just play whoever the hell you want for whether you think Bieber deserves it and he's got it just because he's a young guy or give it to Carrasco because he's been around for so long and he has, he's been good for so many of those years and he could be good this year in the whole cancer thing. So, so yeah. Oh, so it's a, home, it's a home opener too. I don't know. I don't want to say give it to Carrasco. Shit. I mean, if it wasn't, I would maybe say like start whoever and try to like time Carrasco to be the home opener. I guess you probably don't put that much thought into it, but. I think it's just neat to have Carrasco out there first in front of your home crowd. Uh, I, I, especially after this offseason, they need any kind of little win they can get. <laughs> any like PR good thing, I think that's one of the ones they could possibly have. Until they sign Yasiel Puig. But you know, then they have nine outfielders. I, I just read that article. And well, they have 10 Indy. now, so that'd be oh my <laughs> God. Be losing. They literally have 10. So. Oh, God. I just read that that's article insane. on MLB.com or Indians.com about all the outfielders. And I haven't it all compiled in front of me. I'm like, oh, my God. 
what an embarrassment of not riches, but <laughs> embarrassment of things. What a, we have a too lot many of items. Things. We need yeah. <laughs> we need to cut down our item number. <laughs> so, Mer, uh, between now and opening day, um, we we have roughly six episodes. And thanks to my great planning, it's going to require us to kind of cram a couple positions together. But That's but what we're right. going to do from here on out is just basically go around the diamond, go around the outfield. The, the outfield will be one big thing because good lord, that's a mess. But but yeah, we're going to preview every position. We'll give them a grade. We're gonna. I want to try to look. My goal with this is to like balance it between if you don't follow the Indians very close and you want to know every position, you can listen to it and there you go. Or also if you follow them insanely, we're going to try to go deeper into like the players and maybe a couple prospects deep. And um, but yeah, today we're going to start with catcher, which is which is my favorite player, probably one of my favorite players on the Indians, Roberto Perez. Which of course last year he he came out of nowhere with power, twenty four home runs and four hundred forty nine plate appearances. I thought I didn't realize hitting catchers are so big right now, but his ninety eight WRC plus is not that great for catchers. It's just kind of middle of the road. But his, his defense is just off the charts. Other than Austin Hedges, who is the better the best framer in baseball, probably Roberto Perez was second and framing runs above average adjusted, which is Baseball Prospectus's um, catching measurement. Um, and he was first in blocking runs, which blocking runs are basically just <clears throat> you generate. Well, you save this many runs by your blocking ability. And of course, he didn't allow a single pass ball last year. So he was first in that. He was third in framing runs. I mean, despite the the blatant disrespect from MLB Network's The Shredder, where it didn't have Roberto Perez in like the top five or whatever, it was pretty low. But um, the biggest thing about Perez, I think, is that there's some players like Austin Hedges, um, Yasmani Grandal's defense, I think, would suffer if they get Roberto, um, electronic strike zones. But I don't think Roberto Perez would lose that much value. He puts a lot of time and effort into his framing, but he also manages the game so well. He's great at blocking, throwing. Like He is everything on defense, and I think he's basically future-proof as long as he can hit anywhere decently and not be injured a ton. And he's been – I can't think if he's had a real long disabled this um stint so he's he's been well, healthy for a long time he until last year he didn't really play that many innings you know I, that's I true think, but i mean yeah. yeah last year's a workhorse and he's almost 30 yeah, last 30 year was, yeah i don't know but. last year was the first time he played more than what 73 games in a single season he was at 119 so you know because obviously the um i mean you can still say that he hasn't been injured though because backup catchers it's it's catching no matter what you do or how often you do it it's it's sure. killer no, I mean, I agree with you. It's just, pretty healthy and still so good so but yeah we'll start from the top basically starting with Perez, and then we'll dig down further into who's there but i mean any other thoughts on roberto perez and it all comes off course because they traded jan gomes who who seemed like an insane trade last year they did that super early in the offseason and then he of course won the world series but only has any fault of the indians or <laughs> it's not just because of jan gomes that he won but it it opened the door for roberto perez and i'm okay with that because he's just so good and fun to watch Two. one of my first idle thought is my first is my memory of roberto perez when he started that I think it was 2017. That's entire season was no hits until like June or something like that. And I was in the park when he got his first hit of the season against <laughs> Baltimore. I'll never forget it. Was it was, an extra base hit that he was having problems getting, and then he got no, finally got one? No, it was, was, it was it a hit. In it was hits in general. He was just he was just over with a bunch of walks, and then he he hit one off the wall, and then he tried to stretch into a double and was gunned down by ten. That's feet. what it was. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like of doubles. Yeah, I, I was sitting there going, no, but <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Just just one idiot in, in in this crowd of Orioles fans going nuts because some, some <laughs> slow ass catcher got a got a hit, and I was like, "Fuck you!" That was great. My, my other thing is too, and this is um also about uh, with his backup Sandy Leone. Uh, we mentioned obviously Clevenger not being there and Bieber being the only real and Carrasco being, I guess, being the only real guys with a lot of you know time in the majors and who are veterans, uh, I guess, to, for lack of a better word, but. It's so it's so vital to have him and also uh, Leon to, to a lesser degree, just because Plezak and Zavali and Rodriguez and whoever, whoever else like if Logan Allen gets gets a couple of starts. It's such a, a vital position 
to have someone who's just can do everything and make the life of a young pitcher that much. Like if, if they are worried about burying a curveball or something like that, it's so nice to have him there. It's just, I forget having a bad catcher at this point. And I know the Indians rattled through a whole shitload of bad catchers. No, look, no defensively, obviously look no further than Victor Martinez for much of the middle of the previous decade. Well, two decades ago now, Jesus Christ, time keeps on passing. Um, but it's so nice to have him because he just makes life so much easier for the pitchers. And it's, the fact that we can't quantify it and you know, people look at the numbers and go, who, who the hell, I don't know, whatever. He's a, no, he's a mediocre hitter at best. And like, I guess the wins of replacement kind of like him when it comes to defensiveness, but he's, he's such an ultimate, like I, like Billy Ripken would love him because the eye test is really there for him when, when, when the stats don't back it up, except the stats do back it up, man. And I love it. <laughs> That's usually how that works, man. Good players. Mm-hmm. When they look good, they also, the stats back it up. Isn't that crazy? Billy who'd, have, who'd have thought, who'd have thought, no, <laughs> turns out that Mike Trout's good because he can. Uh, he takes the extra base all the time. The numbers He's also gritty. point to him being good. Oh, shut up! <laughs> He's got grit. That's what he got. And then, of course, you mentioned Sandy Leone. That that's who Indians traded for pretty early in the off season. Um, and they it was right after they dumped Kevin Pilecki, which that still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Terry Francona said at the beginning of um, I think it was a, was it Tribe Fest somewhere in there, but he said that. With Leon, Leon back there on defense, he doesn't have to hesitate to leave him in the whole game because he was tempted last year to bring Roberto Perez late as a defensive replacement. But also, Kevin Plucky is not bad on defense. <laughs> He's a, probably a better framer than Sandy Leon is. The one thing I noticed is his pop time might be way worse than Leon's. I don't know if that's something that Tito and the Indians valuable very highly and Leon is better. But, I mean, Plucky was cheaper. He was under control longer, so that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But... Sandy Leone is what they have now for their backup, which he's a terrible hitter. He's apparently pretty good on defense, but it's they're not really deep at catcher anymore like they were when they had Gomes and Perez, I think is one kind of drawback of them now. But if Perez can play the vast majority of the games, like maybe it doesn't matter too much. Well, I mean, depending on who you want to look at, if you look, go to baseball savant, Sandy Leone is actually a better framer than Roberto Perez. Uh, yeah, he's super good at framing. But. So, and, 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 and what I mentioned before about the young pitchers and things like that, I think that's so vital here because they're, they're going to, none of them, none of the guys who are pitching behind Clevenger and uh, Bieber and, and also uh, Carrasco, obviously they, they don't, they don't really have electric stuff. I love watching Aaron Savali pitch, but he needs a good framer because he's such a nibbler and a, a finesse guy as opposed to a power guy. Now maybe he made, he's making some loot this year and he's going to add a couple ticks to the, uh, the fastball and his strikeout rate will go up. Or I, I know there were some videos on, social media of Zach Pluzak working on getting his velocity up some. And if he can get up and be more of a 95, 96 guy instead of a 92, 93 guy, then we, we got something going on there. But for now, great framing, I think, just makes it so much easier on the pitchers regardless. And again, Leon is also, he's immobile, but so is Roberto <laughs> Perez. And immobile is a good thing when you're at the very least a brick wall who can move side to side pretty well. So Yeah, that's all the mobility you I, need when you're Roberto Perez. Apparently. I've always liked Sandy Leon. I've always thought he was a pretty good catching catcher. Uh, and that's really all we're hoping for at this point. Yeah. Um, and then, and then drilling down a little bit deeper into the Indians catching situation. Ooh. Of course, this off season, they traded Eric Haas to the Tigers for cash for money, which straight yeah, cash, which I, homie. So straight. I, at one point, I don't, I don't know what happened to Eric Haas. I still like him. I guess everybody else, but me just dropped off of him entirely, including the Indians. Cause he has no more value, but yeah. um, he can hit a bunch of home runs. I still think he will for the Tigers. I'm, I'm interested to watch him there. But he's gone. They have brought in Cameron Rupp as basically his AAA replacement. And, of course, Rupp we talked about last week. He was Both really good fans. for half a season in 2016, and then he just went down. But he's he's pretty decent for AAA depth. And below that, they have almost nothing to catcher. They have, like, Bo Naylor, but he's still quite a few years away. I think there's a decent chance he gets traded before he even makes it. If the Indians find themselves even relatively competing in the next couple of years and they need somebody to trade away, 
um, to help build around Francisco Lindor before he leaves. I think Naylor is one of the players who could be traded because he's a really promising catcher. But again, just like behind Roberto Perez in the majors, they're not a, extremely deep at catcher in the organization at all. Besides, I think Cameron Rupp is a very solid addition. And if Leon gets injured, I don't have a problem with him coming up to replace him. I think if Roberto Perez gets injured, we're screwed at catcher. But Rub would not be a bad backup, I think, on a major league team. But he's also a pretty good AAA catcher. And it's just not a terribly deep position for the Indians, even when you're going down a little lower. It's interesting how now we've had two prospects that at least, you know, we, writers of the site, have gotten at least a little bit excited for. First, uh, Francisco Mejia and then and Eric Haas, both guys who were known for their bats as much as, if not more so, than for their glove. Uh, and the Indians traded both of them. One from literally just money, which obviously there was a reason behind it. It just sucks that it happened this offseason when everything else just feels so yeah, just shitty. Not yeah. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, but then the Mejia thing obviously brought back uh, Hand, which was nice, and also Logan Allen, who we'll talk about in a couple weeks. But it's, No, Logan it's, Allen was with Bauer. What, what was that? Oh, that was a Bauer trade. I'm sorry, yeah. I think it was, just, it was just Mejia for Hand. Was no, it was Adam Simber. That's who you think. Yeah, okay, it was Simber. Okay, yes, yeah, so I'm we sorry. We know what we're doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we, we pay attention. Don't worry. <laughs> and to yeah. their credit, that looks like a decent trade so far, unless no, that, Mejia oh, really oh, takes he, off. So he, I mean, if, if he catch, well, that's the thing. He was always a bad catcher, but he's also uh, had a great bat, and at least in the minors. Which will that translate? You never know. I mean, we'll find that out with Daniel Johnson, among many other, over the next year or so. Uh, but it's interesting that they keep on just ignoring. You mentioned this going into this um, segment, but hitting catchers is such a big thing because. I think it's more just that having a hitting catcher is such a valuable thing because the Indians have, at least in their view, identified a value in a catcher, and that's making it so much easier on their on the pitcher. And yeah, that's because the of this thing for me. Yeah. Because of this, they've been, they've been able to churn out great pitchers. I mean, say what you will about Trevor Bauer, who never, who never, he had one great year and a bunch of okay years. He was always, you know, right there on the on the cusp of being great. I, I always thought, and then obviously Kluber, these guys turned themselves into something. And I wonder how much of that was comfort level knowing that there's this anchor behind the plate that they are able to work with you know it's it's not just just a you know a two machines shoot one shooting at the other one you know there's a conversation and agreement and, and, a, and a comfort level there that that make the sport really interesting though just two machines shooting each other you got to try to get in between them and hope for the best oh, all right yes we've invented something new we'll get back to this at the end of the episode there we go there's the xlb we were talking about last week there we go but it's just it's it's interesting the indians have just identified and it's identified and and are like we don't give a shit about it catchers hitting at all it doesn't matter would it be nice sure does it matter no can they if they can defend we're going to play you 140 games and blocking balls and framing and doing the other seven or eight things you know scheming a game and stuff like that and between him between perez leon rup even who has skill doing this stuff these are the guys that they would rather have. And yes, it's a black hole in the lineup. You know, once every nine at bats, you're like, God, this sucks. But it's nice. Yeah, if he makes every pitcher better, that's that's worth it. Especially if it's Roberto Perez and he manages to hit 20 home runs, then sure, there you go. Exactly. You know, and then like if, if you can find some offense elsewhere, all of a sudden the games don't have the tendency to become six-run games. You know, you're, you can, winning a four-run game is much easier than winning a six-run game, even if you have a black hole once every nine at bats. So. So our final part of, of this little season preview for each position we're going to do is, of course, give a grade because everybody loves grades. I love grades. It's fun to narrow it down. So what we're doing basically is you asked if we were doing it relative to other Indians positions or to the league. And I said definitely because of the league, because everything with the outfield would be an A-plus compared to the outfield. So this is basically just their their catching position compared to all of baseball. Like the whole 
organ the the catching situation in the majors and you can drill down pretty deep into how you, you feel about them. So so what's your grade about Indians catchers heading into twenty twenty? I give it a B plus, I guess. I think it might be a little bit a little bit bold, but the lack of hitting sucks, obviously, but like they defend so well. It would be cool to have a Yasmani Grandal or JT Realmuto or uh I don't know, uh, Wilson Contreras, I guess. Uh what's his name? Mitch Garver, I think. Is that the is that the twins catcher, yeah, right? Yeah, Mitch Garver. Of course he's on the twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, him. It would be cool to have that, but they don't. And that's fine. Like he's he's not gonna hit, but he's gonna defend like a motherfucker and and they're still gonna be good at it, so yeah, I'd say B to B plus, you know, an 87 if I was going to do a grade. I'd say like an 87. That's fair. That, that's basically my answer. It's it's B plus for me too. They're yeah. not quite an A just because of, like you said, the lack of hitting. And I think lack of depth might be an issue. Yeah. Unless Rupp turns out to be really good in AAA. That might, I might even knock it really... down like an 86 for that exact reason. Like it's just, there, there, there's no there's no bats anywhere, which sucks. But I, I think the defense really does, especially with Perez. Yeah, I mean, it's clear they have, like they're going the opposite direction of everybody else, which it's going to be cool to see if that works out that, they're not worried about their catchers hitting all that much. It's, yeah. it's all defense. But B-plus, I think, is fair for catcher. The thing about Cleveland is, man, we don't like offense when it comes to baseball. It's hate it. It's the worst. Don't, don't want it. We want great defenders who can't hit. <laughs> One to nothing. The pitchers. ultimate game. <laughs> That's how real baseball is played. Mm-hmm. Merit. Mm-hmm. Not those nerd stats. Home <laughs> oh, runs are for losers. Get out of here, Minnesota. So the next thing. Um, that's It's been a been a good couple weeks for Rob Manfred <laughs> right after Right before we recorded this, he went on this whole Astros thing. I don't want to talk about the Astros cheating anymore, but um, that's one of his things. His other thing was the proposed rule change for the postseason. Um, it's just a buck wild set of predictions or set of um, proposed changes. So just to run it down real quick, the whole thing is it's going to be expanded to 14 teams and the best record in each league gets a bye. Then the other two division winners pick among the three wild cards and then the remaining two wild card teams play each other, which that's that's kind of the wildest part. It's kind of like a reality TV twist to it. Um, I guess the thinking that they have, well, the thinking they have is obviously more playoff games equals more money. That's the whole, <laughs> you can stop there. But um, they also, the, the big thing I've seen from like national media folks is they think that, I don't know why I said folks, that's a good way to put that, but national media <laughs> members... <laughs> I've suddenly aged 30 years. Um, they, they thought that this would encourage more teams to participate or more uh, to, like go for it at the deadline if you're not quite there. But I think like our own Blake Ruan, he said, he he put it really nicely the morning of that it's not what it's going to do. It's going to be more teams like the Indians that feel they can do less and squeak into the playoffs like an 82 win team. Like this is going to do the opposite. This is going to make more teams not want to go be the top team. Because it's not, you're still not going to be able to if you're not, if your thinking is right now is that you need to catch the Yankees or bust, it's not going to help. There's another two extra spots. You're going to still just go for the middle ground and save money and hope you get caught fire. Yeah, and if you fall short, you're like, ah, oh, darn, we almost made it again, like the Indians did this year. Like, right, yeah. and then if you make it, even then you can say, oh, we got in the playoffs. So what more do you want? Like, it it helps these teams that are cutting costs so much more than it does anything else. And I, I've I'm positive everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like Blake, Blake, that's a very good point and it's right i think and he's not the only one that i've seen make like i follow a lot of like former deadspin guys and other writers who are like very player focused and friendly and you know pro player i guess for lack of a better way to phrase it right on tw- i follow a lot of them on twitter and they all said the exact same thing and it's true it's it's just if you can spend 95 million dollars as an owner right I don't even know the Indians payrolls. Let's say you could you'd spend somewhere around a hundred million dollars instead of what it looks like. It, it takes about one hundred and forty to one hundred and fifty, you know, on a baseline to compete for the playoffs right now. 
if you can spend a hundred million and still do it because you'll win eighty seven games and you'll have you'll be in the running like and then you can just you know you can just quote tw- you can just quote what's his name uh, Billy Bean and be like oh my shit doesn't work in the playoffs ugh, ugh. Uh, <laughs> then why wouldn't you do that and save forty million dollars and go buy I mean go read the article I wrote I wrote where I tried to spend uh, some some of Paul Dolan's money it's hard to spend thirty get a million dollars <laughs> yeah, get a Bugatti and a very expensive stamp go for a tri- go on a trip <laughs> have a nice time I almost saw that stamp by the way I went to the United States Postal Museum. Here in D.C. Um, over the weekend. Of course that's my, a thing in D.C. My wife did not enjoy it. Because she's like, why did you spend time <laughs> looking at stamps? And I was like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of neat. What do you want from me? But they had recently removed that magenta something or other that's worth like $9 million or whatever. Did Dolan buy it? Did he see the article and then oh decide Oh, God. What if that's actually what happened? <laughs> he Incidentally, I did find out that there's a national stamp collection. I did not. I never really thought about it. <laughs> But yes, that's right. The American people have a stamp collection. We're all philatelists, which is a word. Uh, but yeah, but where, where besides was those I? stamp buyers, I don't oh, think yeah, anybody's going to be spending that money on teams to go from seventy-eight to eighty-two wins. It's, they're not going to do it. Either you're going to be in the middle ground, or you're just going to fall off and not care. I mean, if, if you want to just like extrapolate it out, what what teams would this benefit? Right, like going down the list. So, like, does it benefit? It doesn't. It I would mean, matter to the Indians. They they get into the playoffs more, but it doesn't help them try more or be a better team. Right, exactly, and, and then so do, so even if you look at teams who are, I guess, worse run than the Indians, I'm trying to think like like does this benefit the Rockies? Does this benefit the teams who are just in stacked ass divisions who, who get punched down? Like like does it benefit the Blue Jays or Orioles or Rays? Really, no, because they're doing the tear down and rebuild thing anyway. Because their goal, like in doing that, your goal isn't to win 87 games; it is to win how many games did the. Uh, it's to win like 95 several years in a row. Not it's just to win 100 games. It's to do yeah. literally what the Astros are doing right now. And the Indians never did a true teardown. They did They did a kind of a stumble and shittiness for a few years where they were, you know, they were like winning like 67 to 74 games or whatever at the turn of last, the last decade, which was fine. And it's cool that they got, they, they turned it back around just through, you know, hard work and stuff. But it, it's not going to like, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to make teams spend more money. Like you said, it'll make them spend less money and try less hard. And may- maybe, maybe that's what it'll do. It, it, it will eliminate tanking, which I don't like tanking. The only benefit I get out of tanking as a human being is that Orioles tickets are incredibly cheap right now. Like <laughs> it's cool. I get to go, but then I have to go to fucking. Like, it's a it's a schlep to get to Baltimore. Just ugh. I'd if it does, go to a, like if that if it does fight tanking, I would assume that's a benefit for the MLB. That's kind of their goal is to to reduce tanking. Pitch. Yes, I think that anytime, but like I, I just anytime there there are just you start the season and you write off a, a quarter of your teams. I think that's bad. But th- at the same time, already we have that th- this exact same setup in um, basketball, where sixteen teams, more than half the teams, make the playoffs, and even with that, tanking is if not. As it's it's more it's more rampant in the NBA than it is like it's and that's even with a lottery system it doesn't help yeah, well and you know, a lottery system they've adjusted where even tanking doesn't like now you have the equal shot at the one to the four so it's I don't know I I think it's silly for so many different reasons but I think Rob Manfred's a moron that might be part of it too I or, or just or he's just, just not a baseball guy like that's part I, I, that's also part of it it's, he just comes from a different world and he's applying all his stuff to it and it's garbage and you look like an idiot so. I don't understand how you can become the commissioner of a all right so. Uh, my current job where I sell software to anyway, 
I like it because I like the product and I like doing it. But my last job I hated because I, but even with it, I, I thought the product was neat and I, I was proud to sell it. Like if he doesn't like baseball, I don't know. I've, it's, it's rare. I've had a job. Like I've had jobs where I, that I hated what I was selling and stuff like that, but I was also making $9 an hour. Rob Manfred is making Rob Manfred. I just read Mandred. <laughs> Probably Fred. too much. For what it is. I think he just likes doing law things. He doesn't care that it's a baseball, that it's anything. He just likes being a lawyer and whatever other thing he likes to do. And then he likes labor law and he likes crushing people. Yeah, he's making $11 million a year. And I, I, mean, I, I get that, the, the wanting to crush labor and things like that. It's valuable for the owners to have that as a commissioner. But yeah, I don't understand. Like, after having had David Stern be the commissioner of basketball for all that, for most of my life, basically. He liked basketball, like you know, like he was a fan, like and yeah, Silver Bart is too. Was too. He liked baseball. He, yeah, exactly. He, he was an owner. Really liked stuff. it too much and wanted everybody to know how much he liked it. But yeah, <laughs> but, but at least like, he was a baseball guy, even though he wasn't always great. Like I, I just, I feel like that should, like, I feel like that should be a value. You know, they always talk about uh, what's his name, Gary Bettman in the NHL being a secret employee of the NBA to try and destroy hockey because. <laughs> Because it's, it's 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 trying to get the ratings, and stuff. But, but suffice to say, it's it's weird that he just is either tone deaf or trying to. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 another. It seems like I guess another case of just that weird corporateness of just naked capitalism trying to squeeze every dollar out now, and who cares about twenty years from now? Yeah, one think... would one would think that there's a value in in in, in sustaining the game for future generations because again it's not just a you're not just selling a fucking widget you're financing the playing of a, of a ch- children's game that people get enjoyment out of you know what i mean like it's but if they're gonna do that with movies with you know i mean why not do it with baseball too so who fucking cares I, I think to give them a sliver of of almost an excuse for i think if they if they actually see like the fact that fewer and fewer kids are playing and watching baseball and they, they see how skewed their age range is yeah there is a chance that manfred came in and saw that baseball is in I mean, you can say it's fine now, but in 15, yes. 20 years when the older fans aren't here and the kids never watched it, I, I think he sees it as something that he has to fix and he has to do with all these crazy batshit things, but he also doesn't know like what the core of baseball is to improve to make it better. I think a lot of people, as much as they they hate like the, the pitch clock and speeding up the game, I think that's the main thing is making the game faster. And sure. I mean, we talked about last week with the XLB stuff, like getting the ball in play would help a ton, but it's hard to just mandate that. That's just the way the game has gone. I don't think you can do it with these stupid playoff things and well, you know, the and changes like, he's trying. I don't think that really makes a whole lot of more people watch baseball. I think, ironically, the Astros cheating and being assholes about it is helping baseball more than anything Rob Mayford has done. Just because well, people are talking about it, it's interesting. My problem with, with them being assholes about it, they're not being big enough assholes about it. I mentioned it last week, but play play the heel, man. Be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fuck you guys. We cheated big time. And you know what we did? We won. Big time. <laughs> eat it. Eat my come butt. Up, eat, eat my I want to come up with like a trash can strapped around them and just come out banging it on both sides to their press conference and sit down and don't mention it. And... Yeah. just They all just get little – they should all get gold chains of a little trash can. <laughs> just do that. If, if they did all that, that would have been way better than what they did. You know, or like the, they... <laughs> the fake shitty tattoo that Jose Altuve was supposed to have been getting. Like, Reveal it to be a trash can. Yeah, go get a tattoo of a shitty-looking trash can or a dumpster <laughs> or something like that. Like Trevor Bauer was right in, in in one of his many rants. It is it is the most talented that baseball has ever been, and in a time of unprecedented access to everything. Like I, I, again, it is once again Sunday, and I have once again watched two and a half XFL games this weekend. For the second week in a row, what am I doing? I don't know. But the level of access, the fact that 
They interviewed Matt Begloin immediately after throwing an interception. And he's just like, yeah, it really sucked. I hate this. And then they interviewed him at halftime. He said, yeah, we got to change everything. Just throw out the whole gameplay. And then they, and the team benched him for saying that. That ruled. The level of access we have with that is so good. And I, I think the MLB can learn a lot from that. And instead, they do things like this, which is just more playoff teams, I guess. Yeah, and we can transition to talking about Trevor Bauer because he uh, early this week he went on this not this week it was it was a while ago but about his whole rant about access to players and for what it's worth that he's a really bad actor I think he cares but I don't think he was actually quote unquote outraged about it <laughs> like he wasn't looking at the camera his eyes were darting everywhere and he was somebody mentioned that he when he's angry he sounds like Napoleon Dynamite and he kind of did but yeah um, I, I think he is upset and he's annoyed that players don't get get promoted but he's not. <laughs> that angry about it um but then he also this week he talked about the astros and he went on a long rant with uh c trent rosencrans the, mm-hmm. the reds beat writer for the athletic and he basically asked him why is it important for you to speak out and then there's maybe mm, a thousand words between that and the next question <laughs> and Trevor bauer goes off on all these tangents like he's had this stuff all built up very clearly well it's not even that one it's the cody bellinger did the same exact thing like everyone's fucking pissed and that's like all you need, I think, to see that this is legitimately. If if it was just a thing that that players felt the media was after them for, then they would all kind of group together. But there is very clearly they knew, and all the other teams are mad about it. Um, they, I think, there's probably a buzzer because if there wasn't for players to insinuate that and bring that into the conversation about baseball, that puts them under the microscope too. So I'm I'm almost positive they know there's there's something there. Trevor Bauer has talked about it forever, mm-hmm. um, and then of course yeah, now he's but, kind of vindicated about it. But again, it's just like. These guys are all interesting characters who have things to say that are, you know, I mean, sometimes inflammatory. Like, I never expected of all people Cody Bellinger to be one of the people speaking out to. You know what I mean? Like, he just seems like such a button-down, well, nothing, I guess. He looks like he's a cipher, I guess. Someone you, like, much like a Corey Kluber type where you can, you can create any sort of image you want out of him. But then he actually says something. Well, you know what I just realized? If I try to imagine Cody Ballinger, I don't know what he looks like. No, yeah, exactly. Like I said, there's so many players in baseball that are just a cipher. Where you, like The ultimate is honestly Mike Trout, where he looks like a creative player. Because they don't do a good job of promoting, we have these guys who just are total ciphers. And it sucks that obviously Trout, of all people, is boring as dirt. But if, they, if, if we could just find a way to get more out of these people... And talk to them, and inter- yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't Which is kind of what this whole thing has done. It's given them an excuse to talk more and be feisty with each other. I think it just is a big thing towards making MLB yeah. more more entertaining. Is just players not liking each other all the time. <laughs> like it's yes. fine they do it. It's, it's a fraternity of baseball players, but I want players on different teams to not like each other while they're not on the same team. I think that's good I will for say, the sport and good for entertainment. Um, the NBA is in ascent is in ascent in comparison to baseball over the last decade oh, plus. Yeah. I would say right. Yeah, but the biggest sure. knock I have on it is just there's no animosity anymore. Like in the NBA, know, in the NBA, there's none. They're, they're all friends because they all played AAU together and they all know each other. And they're all just, I mean, obviously you have like, uh, I don't know, Russell Westbrook trying to murder people <laughs> mainly on the court, but there's like, there's just, there's no, there's no real rivalries in terms like the, the, the big rivalry of the mid two thousands was golden state versus Cleveland. And like between LeBron James and then, just a bunch of sweet boys over there in Golden State. I don't care what you want. I, yes, maybe you didn't like them. And I know I'm on a Cleveland sports podcast. I'm sure many people who listen to this did not like them at all. But they're just nice guys. Like, I, I guess Kevin Durant's a bit of a, what's the word they use? Snake, I suppose. What's the word? But, hmm. What's the word they use? It's right. <laughs> uh, but 
like they're not like horrible. They're, they're not, yeah. it's, it's not like it's not like the 1980s or 90s when like the Pistons were trying to literally kill. They're just uh, horrible in a baseball or a basketball context. Like in yes. the context of the sport, they suck because they're so good and confident about it. But they're not like awful people. Probably. They're, they're not. Well, they're not being mean to each other. They're not sniping right. in the media and well, stuff like I mean, that. Now, are. We're, now we're going <laughs> to deal. With... What are you talking about? Well, that's I, I that's just... why Kevin Durant was a snake. It's, that well, was kind of the thing. Well, I guess that, that was that was more of a conflict of social <laughs> media more than anything else. But yeah. the, the the sniping in the media we're getting now, which is where Bellinger says something, oh, and, so then, good. and and then Correa's like, "No, he got a shitty tattoo," and we're all like, "What are you fucking talking about? Here's a picture of him from like eight weeks ago, shirtless, no tattoo. It, it's great." So this is what we need. I think it helps. I don't know if Manfred's ideas of pitch clocks and I don't know what else. Nineteen teams in the playoffs for some reason. Just pick an odd number to make it even weirder. I think I'm also a fan of the the three batter minimum rule. I think pitching changes are not that fun. <laughs> I do like that a lot, actually. I, I I specialization is important. Obviously, like the Indians would be dead if not for platooning and things like that. But I just but hate. I hate so much the loogie coming out and striking out <laughs> and getting one guy and then getting pulled. I just it's so yeah. boring. I, I want to get away from the fun strategy of switching players. There's strategy within at bats. There's strategy otherwise, but like between the DH or the lack of DH and bullpen specializations, like the whole strategy, like when you boil it down to what's happening in the game, it's just the guy coming in and out. That's not fun for anybody. Yeah. No, exactly. It's 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 non-action. It's like going to a uh, Terry Francona is a great manager. He, he should be in the, and he'll probably be in the Hall of Fame one day. But he's oh, 100%. Yeah. He's one of the most god awful managers to watch because how often he uses his bullpen. Like going to a game, you're just there's so much dead time because he's p- pulling people from the bullpen or anyone who really works. Like I don't know. I would I would obviously very much prefer two starters going seven innings and then having you know two more guys going minimum three batters and that's it. You know. That's it. And that's fine. That's a lot of fun baseball. And hopefully that that's a good rule. That's a smart rule that dooms certain players, obviously. But what are you going to do? You know, I mean, but, I mean it, the- it makes the game better overall, probably. So um, and my last thought on Trevor Bauer and the, the whole Astros thing is I feel like he again, like going back to the that he's not actually that enraged about not being promoted. I think he's more interested in dragging the Astros for making fun of him than he is about getting justice for them cheating. Yes, like reading yes. through oh, are you kidding this me? whole yes. thing, <laughs> it, it very came off very much like he just wants to get back at them. I don't think he cares this much about the Astros cheating. It is purely because he called them out and they told him he was wrong and that he proved to be right. Um, I think that's his biggest motivation, which is fine. <laughs> I'm here for that too, Trevor, but um that's my whole take on it is that he just wants to drag the Astros. And I think a lot of, a lot of players like that, like maybe Chris Bryant came out today and said stuff. I think a lot of players, they care about it, but they also just were so sick of the Astros being so cocky about cheating and lying. And they knew about it the whole time. So. No, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, I mean, Trevor Bauer is not some altruistic golden boy. He never has been. He's, he's, he's a very self-serving person. I mean, that's not a knock. It's just, he's always, that's part listen of what to makes him talk good at sports, probably. Listen to him talk ever. Like, what, what did he always want to do? He wanted to sign one year contracts every single year for the next, his entire career. That's not the, that's not an altruistic point of view. That's him trying to maximize value every single year, which good for him. He should do that. And you can be self serving and still do something in, in the, for the benefit of others. Like, it's, it's not a, it's not two diametrically opposed things. I think he's just pissed because he got ridiculed for, this, that, the other thing, and he's just... Oh, can you imagine if it's found that they were using tar on the baseballs and stuff for boiling coke? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just gonna... He'll never shut up. Oh, man. 
All right, Matt. So uh, every Sunday, we ask everybody for your questions on Twitter and Facebook, and we answer them. We got a couple this week. Our first one is from at from Akron, Ohio. He asks simply, "Finger guns back in 2020? I hope so. I hope it's not like either a one year thing, or they just got bored with it, or like somebody who's maybe it was like Kipnis thing was driving it and he's gone. I want finger guns back. I want them the Indians to do them. I will analyze them again if they're back and see who has the quickest ones. Um, they're fun. I like it. I want Francisco Lindor's bazooka to be back when he's rounding third. And in general, I think it's a sign they're having fun. Like if they're doing that, even if it's not a great season, I think it's a good thing. If, if they're not doing anything, then I'm kind of worried. Uh, Cause I think Lind, or Jason Kipnis is always a big glue guy and personality guy. I'm interested to see like how fun the clubhouse and the team are without Jason Kipnis there. Um, and finger guns are a big sign of it. Why do you go to the Cubs? <laughs> well, you know why I went to the Cubs. He loves the Cubs. That's his I team. Oh my God. Uh, anyway. No, They've I mean, been talking I about it before. Like, Chicago teams are the ones where you make sense. Maybe we just yeah, have the White Sox. I, but... I wanted the White Sox. All right. They have pinstripes. <laughs> I guess the Cubs do yeah. too. All right. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I, as much I, as I hate it, I get it. I'm happy for him. A part of me hoped it's not finger guns. I hope it's something fun and different. And finger new. swords? Finger swords or <laughs> something. I don't know. Hang loose. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? I don't know. I, I just like when they do loose. <laughs> you know, when we do the, hey, what's up? Fortnite you know, dances, Merritt? Are they going to Fortnite dances? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll do Fortnite dances, <laughs> Matt. Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know. Whatever. Something, something that proves they're as long fun, as long right? as they they are demonstrating joy while doing what they're doing because I don't want to watch a, a bunch of people not doing that. Yeah, I, I watch this stupid game for fun, and I want people <laughs> who are doing it to also be having fun. So yeah, yeah. So thanks from Akron, Ohio. It's a good one because I love finger guns. My last one. We'll wrap up with one from at I am Harad. He asks if Zimmer has a great spring. Could the Indians just release the lineup to shield? God, I hope so. Again, I always feel like I got to put this disclaimer. He seems like such a good guy, and he seems like he'd be happy to be in Cleveland. So I'd yeah, be I, sad, I but, feel bad for even saying that. But I, I mean, I, if Zimmer is really good and way better, like he is 100% redundant. I mean, I'm sorry, Delano, but but the fact that they brought him in and they seem to be hyping him up. So he went, he's gone to news stations around Cleveland and has done like interviews. Like the Indians are purposely getting him out there to show that he's important to them. And I don't think they're going to just cut him, even if Zimmer has a great spring. But I mean, if he does, if Greg Allen has a great spring, it's it's difficult to see why they would keep the shields over these other guys. I guess maybe age is a factor. If they see some other thing in his upside, they can tweak. But it's just so hard for me to see him. I mean, he's going to stick around. They're not going to release him. But but Zimmer or Allen having a big spring and then being sent to AAA kind of hurts more than the shields being average and sticking around in the majors. I think. Well, it's just the, the thing is, there's so many. We might went over this before. There's so many guys out there now. So that, many. I I hope. I hope to death that Bradley Zimmer is good. And and finally, because he, of all the players who are coming into camp, outfielder-wise, he, he he is the most tantalizing when it comes to the, the total package. And it's so frustrating that he just never... That no, None of those three ever really worked out. And the best one was, of all people, Tyler Naquin. But yeah, no, I think that if that really does happen, I think they'll probably dump the shields, which does suck for him. But they'll figure it out. It's fine. I mean... You think they'll dump him before the season, even if, if Zimmer has a big spring? Like, then I'm going to give him a shot. Does he have any well, options? I mean, he probably does. Well, I mean, what do you do then? Otherwise, right? Like, like do you right, do you yeah. keep five outfielders because they're already <laughs> going to keep Mercado? Don't Reyes. tempt Terry Francona to keep five outfielders. He will do it. Just give him. He does. So Delano I mean, Shields gonna... does have an option, so they could start him in Triple A technically. Okay. Well, then we'll, we'll just do that then. Just do that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if... Yeah. If Zimmer is showing some sort, some weak, some preternatural level of pitch recognition and power and speed and everything is going great, yeah, no, I, I, I think he'd have to be the starting center fielder if, if nothing, if anything. So he's so fast. He's hoping. 
He's so, so fast, bad. Matt. He's so I, fast. I feel like outfield speed is like the thing the Indians have identified as as similar to their their catching, but they haven't found anybody that puts it together well enough. Like they have he's, Allen, they he's have Zimmer. weird fast too. He's gazelle fast. You know, he's giraffe <laughs> he's gazelle fast. fast yeah, Rick Allen's the He's little man fast, but exactly. Bradley yeah, Zimmer he's is little... gazelle fast. Oh, yeah, he, he's he's big tall boy fast. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> weird. What is um? Oh, what is that? What is I don't know. What was I thinking of meerkat because they're small but they like zip across the ground. That's Greg Allen. He's like a meer- he's meerkat fast. And- Man, he's go for fast. Yeah, that's what he is. <laughs> there you go. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think I think if you don't have a big spring, it's going to be difficult to keep the line of shields around. But I think he, they're going if only because he's they, the most expensive. Also, remember, right? Yeah, because he's he's further along in arbitration. I think right. Let's be awful about this and say things like that. He's he's just too expensive. <laughs> you got to save that half million dollars. These yachts don't buy themselves, man. Exactly. You, gotta... you can buy a nice. You can get a nice trip to wherever for half a million bucks. <laughs> on that note, that'll do it for us this week. Um, if you listen this far, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, apparently, when iHeartRadio, I did not realize that. But if you can leave a review there, go ahead. We're everywhere, man. I don't know. I, I put this thing, I, I upload it, and then it just shoots out all over the internet. So, Thank wherever God you find it, leave a review. It helps us out. We're all over the internet. We just shoot all over the place. And then that's that. Uh, Merritt, we'll talk to you next week. I'll be here. Bye. Bye.